Welcome back to Sports Ways, Malibu's only sports talk podcast. I'm your co-host, Austin Day, joined by my fellow co-host, Carl Winters. We have a good show today as we were previewing March Madness, the craziness that goes on in that college tournament, and some crazy NFL storylines, including Tom Brady and Deshaun Watson. So we're going to start with the NFL. Um, obviously, Tom Brady's coming back. Um, I honestly did not expect it, but I know a lot of people did. Carl, your thoughts on the situation? Yeah, it's wild. I I didn't see it coming, I guess, until roughly today or maybe yesterday uh, as we record this on Sunday. This is when the news dropped from Brady himself. He tweets about it and says that over the past two months, he's basically reconsidered and he's going to be coming back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I I guess I have to admit that I think I said on this podcast two months ago that, that I don't think he's coming back like Brett Favre did. And even if he did, I would expect him to give it like a year maybe and see test out retirement, you know, watch a year of NFL football. And if you miss it, then come back. But I guess when you're 43, that's a tougher decision. But the reason I say I think I I didn't realize it until this morning is because a video was circulating on social media, I think earlier today or maybe earlier over the weekend, of Brady face-to-face with Cristiano Ronaldo from Manchester United. And Ronaldo says something to the effect of, you can hear him in the background say something to the effect of, so you're finished, right? And Brady kind of shrugs and says, I don't know if he said maybe or he said probably, but it was something along those lines. It certainly was not anything close to a no, which immediately opened the conversation to, wow, he might actually come back. So I, I, was, I was as shocked as anyone, I guess, today, though, still when that news dropped. And I... Yeah, I mean, I'm not thrilled about it because I don't like Brady's not my favorite subject. So, to you know, after 22 seasons, now he's coming back for year 23. We're going to have to talk about him for another year. I'm sure he's still going to play well um, because Father Time, you know, was undefeated until Brady. And I guess Father Time gets another shot here. But I, I was stunned. Yeah. No, I was stunned as well just because I thought Tom Brady's like so calculated and what he does. And he had a whole, like, not retirement speech, but he gave his thank you to football and to the Bucks organization and the Patriots. So I thought he was done. I thought he was calling it quits. But only two months ago, he said he was done, and now he's coming back. So I just, I think he's already, like, missing it, and he just loves football like crazy. So he's going to come back. The other weird thing to me was it seemed like the Bucks knew, and I don't know if they were just kind of giving it some time in case the door was open, but... They haven't really made any moves to his replacement. They haven't been in any of these conversations about Russell Wilson or about Carson Wentz or I guess now Deshaun Watson or these big quarterbacks that could be on the market. The draft isn't really very quarterback heavy this year. I guess they could pick one up in later rounds, but who his replacement was going to be, we don't really know. Was it just going to be Kyle Trask, their young second year or what was it going to be? So I, I have a feeling that they had an idea that this might happen. I don't know, you know, maybe in the last conversation Brady had with their brass or with Bruce Arians, he said, you know, this could just be a temporary thing if I'm if I'm still not feeling like it's time. Yeah. So that was a strange wrinkle to me, and it's yeah, it's a wild piece of news to receive in the middle of March that uh, Brady, who. You know, like like you said, I thought he retired on his terms and he would stay retired on his terms. Turns out he's coming back on his terms. Yeah. So we have another year at Tom Brady to look forward to. So, yeah. Another news I mentioned Deshaun Watson as well. He will not face any criminal charges for the twenty two 
active cases against him, accusing him of sexual assault or things related to sexual assault. I believe he faced nine criminal complaints against him, and a grand jury returned nine no's, essentially. So he will still face civil cases that may or may not get settled in that. He will face depositions, so on and so forth. He's denied all of these allegations um, from various women in the Houston area. Um, accusing him of a wide range of things, but most in the realm of sexual assault. So the bottom line is that Watson is not going to prison for anything. The most that will happen to him now is he has to pay settlements, but that may not even happen. And he will be playing football in 2022-23. He's 26 years old. He's got a whole career ahead of him, more than likely. So now the rumor mill obviously has start, been lit on fire, essentially, of is he going to sign somewhere else? Or is he going to get traded somewhere else? So, Austin, yeah, what was your reaction to, I mean, we talked about Watson briefly in the last episode about what might happen, but yeah, basically his name has been cleared in terms of criminal proceedings, and we're going to see him next year on the field. Yeah, no, um, it's pretty crazy, because I mean, I thought he was going to get charged or something, because there were just so many cases against him, like, it was just kind of a numbers thing, but I guess not, I guess we'll see him back, and recently there's been reports about two NFC South teams, the Panthers and Saints have both been heavily pursuing him. And I think it'd be a good fit on the Saints because, you know, with Drew Brees' departure and I don't think they're going to sign Jameis Winston back, I think that would be a good um, decision for them. Panthers, I mean, they're trying to figure it out, but I just think they're still kind of a mess. I'm not a big Matt Rule fan. But, I mean, yeah, Deshaun Watson's coming back. We'll see. I don't think he's going to be with the Texans, but we'll see where he gets traded, and I think it's going to be a big haul for whoever gets him, maybe like three first-round picks and players, similar to the Russell Wilson piece, but we'll see where he lands. Yeah, football-wise, it, it's massive because, like we mentioned, he's only 26. He missed all of last season. But, I mean, I last week I called him a top 10, top 12 quarterback in the league, and some might say higher. Some would say he's top five. Uh, and he, he is that talented that he can, has been at that level, can be, get back to that level. I mean, he carried some pretty ugly Texans teams. I don't know, like, trade package-wise, some other team is going to take a huge cap hit to have to pay him. He also has a no-trade clause, so he's going to have to approve any deal. But, I mean, if I'm him, I want to get out of Houston because they're essentially rebuilding. They just hired a new head coach. They don't have a lot of talent around him. He's certainly not going to be a Super Bowl contender. Getting into the playoffs would be a stretch. So I'd like to see him on either the Saints or the Panthers. I think they're, they're teams with a lot of fun pieces. I actually do like Matt Rule. I don't know which is necessarily a better fit, but if I'm if I'm either of these those teams, I'm going after him big time in order to contend because there are only so many good quarterbacks available. That's always the case, but especially in a year where you don't have very many uh, draftable quarterbacks or quarterbacks that are going to change your franchise immediately upon drafting, you got to go after him. He's he's the biggest fish on the market by far, and that's in a year where Russell Wilson was on the market. Uh, Outside of football, I mean, if he was guilty of any of these things, it's awful for the women who accused him that he's basically going to go off free him and he's certainly going to be able to play again if these things are not true it's awful for watson because this story is never going to go away from his reputation when you have 22 people accusing you of something that forces you to miss an entire season of your career so there's really no winners here whether he was charged or not so that's that but all it took was that one grand jury decision and we're going to see deshaun watson next year um, there, another piece of football news before we get into March Madness, which we will jump into in just a second. Take a look at the bracket. Amari Cooper's been traded to the Browns from the Cowboys. And what was it? A fifth, fifth round, pick? round pick? Fifth and sixth round pick. Yeah. So not a big haul for a tal- as talented a wide receiver as Amari Cooper is. 
the way I see this is the Cowboys offloading cap space so they can pay Ezekiel Elliott. Do you see it that way, that way as well? Yeah, um, definitely. I think it took like $17 million off their cap space. And, I mean, I don't think they'd be in this situation if they didn't make Dak a top three highest paid player, if they made Zeke the highest paid running back. But, I mean, yeah, NFL's a salary cap league, so you're going to have to make cuts somewhere. And I feel like Jerry Jones always pays his players that he drafts. Like, he just re-signed Michael Gallup because he drafted him. But they trade for Amari, so he's not like, they don't have that connection, I feel like. And we'll see, he just got traded for basically basically nothing for a top-tier wide receiver one. So, pretty crazy. Yeah, tough scene for Dak Prescott. I mean, they still have a reasonably good wide receiver core, but... It's really suffers without him. He's extremely talented. Big move for Baker Mayfield. I mean, basically they lost OBJ last year, and now he gets a really, really good replacement. So they're. I mean, the Browns are putting Baker in as good of a position as possible. As we'll good see. as as good as there could be Baker, could be someone else. I mean, as good as his running game is, as good as his receiving core tight ends are, like he doesn't really have any excuses. So we'll see if he uh, underperforms next year or if he is able to make that next jump. So those are our NFL storylines for the week. They're, yeah, it's been a wild offseason, been yeah. a wild last few weeks in the NFL. Yeah. Um, but let's get into this March Madness bracket yes. as the tournament's coming up this week. We've got the first four games on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then the real madness begins Thursday with the round of 64. Other half of the round of 64 will take place Friday, and then the round of 32. I mean, it's arguably the most wild four days in sports. Everyone tunes in. Everyone fills out a bracket. So... I'll open up the floor to you, Austin. What were your some of your first just realizations and reactions when you see the 68 team field drop? Um, I was like, I realize how fun it is every year. Like, it's just gone for so long, and then it comes back, and you're like, wow, this is so much fun. And just filling out the bracket, I just think there's going to be so many good games, so many good teams competing. I mean, and there's always upsets. That's why everyone calls it March Madness. So it's going to be a very fun time. Yeah, I, I mean, it's I, I'm super excited to see it back, and I think if there's a lot of parity this year. I mean, there was questions even going into today, Sunday, the final days of the conference championship games, who's going to be the one seeds, who's in, who's out, uh, just the bubble teams, and I think it's it's super wide open. Not that that's not the case every year, mm-hmm. but there's, there's no definitive favorite, and I mean, everyone... I, if I had to make a prediction, it's that anyone is going to be ripping their hair out in the first to weekend because of how bad their bracket is going to be busted. So the other thing that I took pretty quickly was that the WCC, the league that Pepperdine plays in, is a three-bid conference this year, which is exciting. And we knew that was a possibility, but Gonzaga gets a number one seed yet again. St. Mary's of Moraga gets a five seed, which I feel like is a pretty good draw for them. And then San Francisco, the Dons get in. They challenged Gonzaga a few times this year, weren't able to beat them. Gets a 10 seed, tough draw for USF as they've got Murray State in the first round. And if they win that, they have Kentucky. But the or West Coast Peters. Conference, true, or St. Peter's, you got to leave that <laughs> out there uh, that the 15 2 upset has happened several times, more times than the 16 1 upset. But uh, it's, it's going to be. Interesting. I mean, I'm excited that three WCC teams are in. It's the same amount of bids that the Pac-12 got this year. No, definitely. Um, It's very exciting to see three WCC teams. And I was very surprised that St. Mary's was a fifth seed. That's a very respectable ranking in the March Madness. So, yeah. It's tough to be the 5-12. They're going to have to play the winner of a play-in game, I believe. They've got Wyoming or Indiana. So, speaking of 5-12 upsets, or just in general, is there, is there any upset picks that kind of jump out at you in the first round as, yeah. you know, here's a double-digit seed that I, I really like? 
Um, okay, well, I actually have San Francisco beating Murray State. That's one of my upsets that I really like. Um, I also have Memphis over, um, who are they playing? Boise State, the nine seed over the eight seed, just because I like Amani Bates and like Penny Hardaway, and I think I think they can win that game. And my other upset is Michigan over Colorado State because I feel like Michigan always plays well in the tournament. So, uh, yeah, those are my upsets. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, bring up Michigan because I feel like they barely got in. They yeah. were, I think, only 17 and 14. You got, yeah. could have been a team that, like, runs the table in the NIT. And, you know, people that are fans of mid-major conferences might be like, they didn't deserve this. They just, you know, played in the Big Ten, which got nine bids this year, which is pretty unreal. Wow. I don't know that Michigan, Rutgers, Notre Dame all deserve to be in, but they are, and all it takes is a chance. I do love the Boise State-Memphis matchup. I think that it's going to be a really good game. I mean, both teams played for their conference title. Boise State won the Mountain West, and Memphis lost to Houston in the AAC but two really solid teams, and I think they're really going to give Gonzaga a challenge in the second round. And, you know, Gonzaga is going to have a tough go of it. Beyond that, I think Gonzaga's region, which is top left if you look at the bracket, the mm-hmm. West region, is not that strong. So, you know, top to bottom. They have Duke as the two seed, but if Gonzaga can get through Boise State or Memphis, I think they have a good chance to make the Final Four. Yeah. But other upset picks that I, yeah, I was also looking at either Murray State or USF, not just winning in the first round. I mean, you had USF over Murray State. Yeah. I think they can win over Kentucky, oh. um, which, again, I haven't picked my full bracket yet, but that certainly might be something I'm looking at. And there's always a one seed or a two seed that loses in the first two rounds. Yeah. Sometimes in the first, but always in the second, one of those teams goes down. So that is that is something that I'm looking at over in the, what is this, bottom left region, the east region. Uh, if you take a look down there, that's where you've got Murray State against San Francisco. Should be a great first-round game. And St. Mary's is also down there. And then Kentucky taking on St. Peter's in the first round. Is there any team that you really like in a certain region that you're thinking, this team, I really like this draw for them, and I, I'm thinking I'm going to take them toward the Final Four? Um, I want to say Baylor just because I'm biased. Um, my brother went there and I picked them all last year, and they won. But honestly, Gonzaga, I think, has a pretty easy way to at least the Elite Eight. I mean, if they get to the Elite Eight and Duke's knocked out, you never know because Duke has not been performing as well as they have in March Madness lately. But, I mean, yeah, they have a very, very good chance to make it to the Final Four. Um, other upsets, or another upset I would like is to Auburn either losing to USC or Miami because USC and Miami are very good teams, and I actually have USC over Miami, so I could see that being an upset. Um. Yeah, I also like Villanova a lot just because I think they always come through in March Madness. I think they're like a team built like for that, and that's what their coach is known for. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you can see our, our West Coast bias shining through a little bit here. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I really like USC, UCLA, and Arizona, the three representatives yeah. out of the Pac-12. And I think they've been really solid all year. And uh, I just want to touch on Arizona, who is a one seed, so not exactly a— you know, an upset pick to say that they're going to go far, but their size, I mean, Arizona's one of the biggest teams in the country and have really 
just impressed me. They win the Pac-12 tournament and have been really solid all year. I and mean, there nobody wants to see them, not just because they're one seed, but just because they're really looking formidable. I, I expect them to make it to the Final Four. However, they may run into a super hot Tennessee team. That wouldn't come until the Elite Eight. This is in the South region. Mm-hmm. But Tennessee is white hot. They just won a very difficult SEC tournament. I think they've won eight of nine in the SEC, which is difficult to do. And so, I mean, really, this tournament is about whoever gets hot at the right time. So I, I do like Arizona and Tennessee in the Elite Eight up in the South region. And then the one region that I haven't really mentioned yet is the Midwest, bottom right corner of the bracket, which I think is the weakest region, top to bottom. But I think that I was very underseated as a five. That being said, I was got to play Richmond, who just won the Atlantic 10, and 5-12 is a tough matchup. <laughs> Richmond is a good team with... You know, hasn't been back to the tournament in a while, but when they did make the tournament, I think the last time they made it all the way to the Sweet 16. So that's going to be a tough matchup. But Iowa, similar to Tennessee, is white hot. They just won the Big Ten. The conference that I mentioned has nine teams in here. So it's it's pretty tough to get out of. And so they're hot as well. And maybe, again, I haven't picked my bracket yet, but I am going to think long and hard about bringing Iowa all the way to the Final Four. Gotcha. Um, any players that you really want to look at and watch uh, during this tournament, Austin? Um, obviously, Chet Holmgren, because like WCC bias. I just want to see how he performs. And I want to see how it affects his um, draft status. Same with Jabari Smith at Auburn. He's a very, very likable player. Similar, people are comparing him to Kevin Durant, but that's just because he's a tall player that can shoot and dribble. But it's interesting to see the guys that are like top of the mock drafts right now, see how they perform and how it affects their... Um, their draft status, also um, Jaden Ivey at Purdue is very, very good, similar to John Morant, and very exciting to watch. So those three players I'll definitely be watching out for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm big on those three players as well. I'm interested to see how Holmgren performs in the, you know, in the pressure of March Madness. He's done well this year, but he's going to need to have like a Jalen Suggs type run for Gonzaga to go super far because I just don't think Gonzaga's as deep as they were last year. Yeah. They still have Andrew Nemhart. They still have Drew Timmy. A guy I'm going to be watching is Kofi Cockburn from Illinois, and Illinois had a really good year last year in the tournament. Uh, I think they were one seed, and Io DeSumo led that team. He's on the he's a rookie for the Bulls now, so I'm big big fan of him. But he was an All-American last year, and he returned to Illinois this year. But he's he's putting up 20-plus and 10-plus, 7 feet tall. So, I mean, might not be, you know, the sexiest player to watch because usually this tournament, like, you've got a guard or two that really makes a name for himself in this tournament. But Cockburn's a guy that I think that can kind of take over games. And unless he's playing a team with, like, the size of Arizona, you're going to have problems with yeah. him. So if, if Illinois runs into a team that has a really solid big that can kind of neutralize that, then they might have issues. But until that happens, like I think there are only a handful of teams that fit that billing. So Kofi Cockburn for fourth seed at Illinois is my guy to watch in the South region. So if they win a couple games, they could get Arizona. They're playing Chattanooga in the first round, who I mentioned last week had yes. a wild buzzer beater to win their conference. So that was cool to get in there from that position. Um, yeah, anything else that pops out at you? As as we glance through this bracket, I mean, this year we're not we're not doing what we did last year. Uh, maybe on this podcast where we picked every single game and may or may not have released a feature film length episode. You should listen to it, but uh, we're not going to put you through that this year. As as we kind of glance through the bracket, but Austin, anything else you want to add 
um, on March Madness. Um, yeah, I'll just be rooting for Baylor. So uh, look out for Matthew Mayer. He's a six man on the team, but I don't know if he's starting now, but he was really good last year and he came back and still really good. So watch out for him on Baylor. Got it. I mean, Baylor, I mean, let us not forget the defending <laughs> national champions yeah. who ran the table in the tournament. I mean, dominated Gonzaga in the championship game and mm-hmm. are still a one seed. I mean, they're they're a force to be reckoned with. They are playing playing Norfolk State in the first round. And the only thing I know about Norfolk State is that they had a wild 15-2 upset one year where they beat Missouri. So shout out to that Norfolk State team. I have no idea what year that was, maybe like 2011. But I'm just speaking off the top of my head here. So that's all I've got on March Madness. Should be an exciting tournament. We'll keep our eye on it. We'll, I'm sure, check in on it at some point on this podcast. But fill out your brackets ASAP, and I don't know if there's still a chance to win a billion dollars, but maybe there is if you somehow pick a perfect bracket. Before I let you close, Austin, I just wanted to give an update on the MLB lockout, which we mentioned a few weeks back, and that is that it is over. <laughs> the We will have baseball in 2022, which is fantastic after months and months of the MLB Players Association and the MLB owners kind of kicking the can down the road and not being able to come to agreements and attacking each other in the media and so on and so forth. They have finally come to an agreement on a new collective bargaining agreement Spring training started effectively this weekend, and the regular season will start a week later than it was initially planned to, but we will play a full 162 games. So I guess the MLB saying that we canceled two series and then they said they canceled two more series meant absolutely nothing because they said, all right, I guess we're not going to play 162 games. And now, as soon as the decision came out, they said, "Eh, actually, we're going to play 162 games, which is good for both parties because nobody loses money. So uh, while I am not happy with either the MLBPA or the owners, more so the owners, as a fan of baseball, I'm glad to see it coming back in 2022 and that we hopefully won't have to deal with another lockout for a very long time. That's my two cents. Austin, I think we're good to close if you're ready. All right. This has been Sports Wave. I've been your co-host, Austin Day, joined by Carl Winter. This is a Pepperdine Graphic Media podcast production. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at PepGraphic for updates all on PGM Podcast or find us at pepperdine-graphic.com. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.